Hello, film fans. We're back this week to talk about a whole slew of movies. Yes. It is August, so that means it's the dumping ground, right? Except, you know, we just had really good films come out, and we have some more really good films coming out, but not this week. Right. Well, we have indies that right. we'll talk about. But I'm Lynn Venhouse. I'm Carl Middleman, and our special guest today is the uh, proprietor of where we do this every week. So this is what you guys look like. <laughs> yeah. That's Ron Stevens, everyone. How you doing? Ron On STL, the legend, the myth, the, what is it? The, the man, the myth, the, myth, the, man, the, legend. the legend. The living myth. <laughs> so we'll talk to our guest, Ron Stevens, about The Kitchen coming up next. Around minute 19, we'll talk about Once Upon a Time in America again because of the anniversary and about Woodstock. The anniversary of that is next week. Dora and the Lost City of Gold around minute 31. Them That Follows at minute 38. Brian Banks around minute 45. DVDs this week around minute 53. Matilda at the Muni and Angels in America at the Rep around minute 56. One hour and seven minutes around town news. And Will Ferrell around one hour and 12 minutes. Ron, let's give you like three minutes to plug whatever you want to plug. Oh, man, why didn't you tell me you were going to do that? <laughs> oh, I, I want to plug... Plug the uh, the uh, real time trio po- podcast. Oh, good. It's recorded here every week at Honest TL. Very proud of what you guys do. Thank you. Thanks. Sure. Like and that. you're you're always busy. Yeah, I'm re- I'm retired, so suddenly I'm busy. Right. I'm, I've I've got a long bucket list things I want to do, and you're stuck here not doing them. Oh, well, at the moment, no, no. This is fun too. This is it's all fun stuff. Well, and you're you docu- Oh, go ahead. Go no, he just got back from Europe. Right. I did. Yeah, um, a month ago. Well, uh, yeah, where was I? You were in... in let see, I went to Denmark. Yes. Yeah, was that, was that what you were thinking? I can't yes. remember where I went last. I guess it was Denmark, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Switzerland, and it was fun, yeah. And you were also in KC or Chicago recently? You guys, yeah. Let's we know the, where you're going. We know where you are. Apparently where are you? you come into my office when I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're here once a week. Where are you, Carmen San Diego? Yeah. Uh, you also have your KC documentary. Right. I did that a couple of years ago. That was my first bucket list item when I retired. And to it, make a movie I've about yourself. To do, I, no, I always <laughs> wanted to make a documentary. And you did. And who doesn't, you know? And it was of, nominated for Best Documentary, St. Louis Film Critics Association. It, it was. It was. Wow. Yes, and it premiered. You're welcome, by the uh, way. Yes, <laughs> and, and it premiered St. Louis International Film Festival. Yes, it did. That was very, very generous of them to do that because I told them I can't enter it in competition because there's so much music in it. And right. you know, music license can kill you. Yes. Right? Financially, yes. so so they were very nice to do that. And so, and then you made a second documentary. I did. About it wasn't the actually. Brothers. It, it wasn't intended to be a documentary, but it kind of became one. It was really started as three old guys sitting around the table mm-hmm. talking about music. Uh, Pat and Danny listen from Mama's Pride, still St. Louis favorites. Yes, uh, they and they still up, tour. Well, they they do stops here. They don't tour. Yeah. Well, they did a CD last fall, and they right. came to me and said, you know, what can you do to help? Can honesty? I'll do something. I said, well, I'll, I'll interview you on camera. Got a camera crew together, three three camera guys and lights, and started talking. An hour later, we're like, oh, my gosh, we have a one-hour thing here. Mm-hmm. And how boring can that be? Three old men sitting around a table <laughs> talking for an hour or so. It, it was be- at your house, right? Yes, right. And we could have done a tour of the house if we ran out of things <laughs> to talk about. But uh, I took that and kind of presented it in documentary style. Find a lot of old archived footage of them in the studios and um, – Recorded them, uh, uh, filmed them, so to speak, 
uh, on stage with new footage and in the studio with new footage and, and put something together. Is that difficult to try to make the old footage? Because the new footage is high def. Yeah, right. And bringing in, and probably with the Casey documentary too, yes. trying to make the, try to upscale yeah. the old fil- footage. Yes, it, it was a challenge. In fact, I had a lot of uh, high, uh, what did they call it? Uh, was it called high eight? You know, eight Eight, eight millimeters. millimeters. Yeah. Um, Super 8. Super 8. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Had a lot of that from 1972, 73. Of course, a lot of old photographs. I spent a year prepping to make this thing. Without even any stuff. stuff. Wow. So when, yeah, and then with the intention of putting it on television and putting it on the big screen, and we we had it at the Moolah, the which Moolah. is one of the biggest screens in St. Louis. And we had a we had a uh, red carpet event. Yes, it was we nice. did. Uh, the limousine going around picking us up one at a time <laughs> just kept going around. <laughs> Smoke Same and mirrors. Woman. That driver looks familiar. Smoke and mirrors. Uh, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And thanks to uh, Joe Mama Mason, mm-hmm. who does that for a living. You know, he, yeah. he has a video production company. Illustrated he, man. He, yes, he prepared it. For the big screen, he knew exactly what it would take to do that, and and so you know, you know, you're dealing with either thirty or sixty frames per second mm-hmm. on video. Usually twenty four. So, well, that's film. Right. Film is twenty four. So, but we were dealing with thirty frames per second. Oh, because you had all this old Super Eight it, stuff. W- yes, right. And so it was all converted. All in fact, we had to convert the eight millimeter stuff three times. Each time it improved. Upsample a little bit. The, well, it. it we were learning in the process of how to make it look as best possible. But Joe explained that you take that 97 minute, 94.7 minutes yes. of, of work and you take each frame. So you have 30 frames per second times, times 60 seconds in a minute times mm-hmm. 94.7 minutes. Each of those frames have to be looked at, well, not actually... You know, spent computer much time generated. With com- computer generated. Yes, you, you're creating a, a JPEG mm-hmm. out of each and every frame, so it can be blown up to look good without degradation. Exactly. Wow. See, wow. we're learning stuff about this. Yes, and what? Uh, where can people find that? Because they can find the DVD doc, uh, the KC documentary. You can find them both at onstl onstl dot com. Mm-hmm. Go there, and they're right on the top. Uh, banner up there. Just click on it. And it'll, it'll take okay, you so it. both of them are right yeah. there. And thank you both for asking. That went You're over welcome. three minutes and I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's a commercial. There you go. Well, no, that's good. That's good. Well, people, uh, it's good to keep out in front of the public with and, what you're doing. And it was well done. So Thank you. You're thank welcome. You. And, I, and I'm not just and saying Car- that because I'm in it. Carl's in it. Carl's in it. Yeah. <laughs> My picture is in at the very mm-hmm. end of the movie. All right, so movie that Ron and I and Joy, your mm-hmm. lovely wife, saw this week was the Kitchen, with a fabulous cast based on a DC comic. And somebody was sitting next to me, a uh, girl, uh, uh, who was it? Lori Beakley from WIL. She's like, I follow comic books. I've never heard of this. It's the Vertigo imprint, DC. It's like, it's more of a graphic novel than it yeah, is it's like a, graphic a comic. Novel, right, yeah. and, so, and, and so she's like, I'd never heard of this. And I said, well, it, this is based on the source material. And it's an amazing cast. And it's got a good source. But it is not very good. That's why it's being released in August. Uh, (laughs) The dog days. Well, not only that, it's just the fact that a lot of films are – this movie has been out for a while. This movie has been ready to go for a while, and they're releasing it in Uh, August. The signals are – the red flag is Yeah, that's always a red flag. And so they – it's not – everything about this movie on paper should be – really good see that's just it i don't think 
that one element of film presentation, of, of producing and presenting a movie to the public, that seems to be lost often is managing expectations. Yes. When you have Melissa McCarthy. And Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth Moss, right. And you have Tiffany uh, Haddish. Tiffany Haddish. You have two comics right there, mm-hmm. very funny people. Right. You're expecting something funny, right? And, and Melissa McCarthy's been nominated for Oscars. Common is in the movie as, as an Oscar winner for writing his music. Uh, Elizabeth Moss, Moss just won an Emmy for Handmaiden's Tale. And Tiffany Haddish is an it girl right now. Mm-hmm. And so you have all, and uh, Margot Martindale, who is a fabulous character actress. Uh, did she win an Emmy? She was nominated. She was and, nominated. And she's a favorite for, of a lot of people because she's just so good. She's playing a lot older in this movie than she mm-hmm. actually is. She's playing like the matriarch of this Irish family. And uh, Bill Camp, Brian Darcy James, Dominal Gleeson from, well, from Star Wars. But he was also in Ex Machina. And he has a rot and... A wide range yeah. of and, acting and he's, abilities. He's a likable character. When you see he's, him in movies, right. he's a very, very fun character to watch. Uh, James Bage Dale. And who else is in this movie? Um, th- that's about it. But th- just that Huge cast. cast. Yeah, yeah, but I think I think people who are in the movies, their eyes are on Andrea Berloff. The, she wrote and directed it. This okay. is her first directorial role. She also wrote uh, World Trade Center. And okay. she's listed as a writer on Straight Outta Compton. Yes, oh, so. that, that's that's how they're selling this movie. The writer of Straight, Straight Outta Compton. Compton, which is interesting because it was written by Alan Wankus and Lee Savage, based on the st- real life right. story. They 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 actually they got permission to write the movie from the Jewish manager of right. NWA, Paul Giamatti. Yeah, he told the story to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he, Paul Giamatti played the played the played, right. played the character. So in the it movie, was really yes. from that point of view. I still have the original script that Alan and and, and uh, Lee Savage, they're friends. Mm-hmm. They used to work for me. Oh wow! Yes, and now now they did this, but the politics that come into play in the making a movie, you have to we'll get everybody's get rights and Andrea Burloff or someone like that involved because mm-hmm. she'd already she had a lot of writing credits, but all small stuff, and so does Alan and Lee. But none of them. To, alone had what was needed to, to sell this thing. And then Ice Cube came along and said, hey, you know, this is our story. This is my story. This is not this. this Let us produce Paul it. Paul Giamatti's story. You mm-hmm. know. Exactly. Let us produce it and uh, cast right. our well, children. And, and Ice Cube <laughs> did, did rewrites on it too, probably more than Andrea did. Mm-hmm. But but they were grooming her and they were cro- grooming Alan and Lee for, for, for bigger things. Future projects. And they're all moving on. And they can but, all say that they right. were part of an Oscar-nominated exactly. but So here is Andrea taking advantage of that credit and now directing something. And it's she's got great people. And she's got a story. but The expectations are really high for there. this film. Yes, exactly. And it is getting savagely attacked, which we are now going to do. Yes. <laughs> I heard, is, uh, the, the, I did not see it because I was at the Muni that night. You're one of the lucky so, ones. So <laughs> uh, I would like to know... What about resembling widows? Okay, it's it's widows. Basically, it's a worse version of widows, hmm. which is it, really disturbing Irish. to me because it's, widows is so good. Well, widows is the African American experience. This is the Irish experience. But Tiffany Haddish plays a, an African American woman who is married, married to Irish. an Irish guy, yeah, right. and so there's a whole bunch. And but this is how they can sneak into the upper. What they can get up into the African American parts of. Manhattan to run right. the mob, and because they are dealing with the uh, the Sopranos type on, in Brooklyn, but see mm-hmm. they don't they don't go to Jersey, they go to Brooklyn. the uh, The Italians run Brooklyn, the Irish run Hell's Kitchen, 
or Clinton. They don't call it Clinton in this at no, all. They call no, it Hell's, Hell's Kitchen. Kitchen right. And you you were in New York. You right. know, you know, well, you know areas... people who live there still call it Hell's Kitchen, too. Right. It's just there. But know. when you lived in New York, where were you living? I, I, initially, I was living uh, down by the Lincoln Tunnel, around actually around... Uh, um, uh, UN, the UN building. Okay. On, uh, uh, so first, that's the uh, east side. By East yeah, River. Right, on the east east side. River. But, yeah. but eventually we moved up on the west side all the way up to uh, Westchester County, right on the Hudson River. Okay. So. so back, you were familiar with Hell's Kitchen then. Yeah. And so yeah. Was, was it Irish well, mob We running? actually drove through, a, you know, our, our limousine because we were doing radio doing morning mornings. shows. So we would come through that area and then through Times Square, uh, which was fun at four in the morning because the hookers are still up. Right. Um, <laughs> still looking for yeah, it's <laughs> Looking for third shifters you know getting what? off work. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's still a strong Irish feeling. There's still a very strong Italian presence. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you've got Chinatown. Uh, you've Little got Italy. Little Italy. You know, all those things are yeah. still very prominent. Yeah, you, you can feel that ethnicity. Uh, who was it just recently said, uh, I live in New York. So to hear a, a New York accent and I have to go to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, since it's taking place in... Uh, the late 70s, 1978, 1979, up until 80, they don't do any shots. And, they, and I was talking to the person sitting next to me, Paul Harris, and I said, you know, if they go a little farther to the right, right. you'd see the World Trade Center. But they go they, out of their way yeah. not to show mm-hmm. where the World Trade Center would have been, yeah. which is really weird. That's interesting that you noticed that. But, uh, yeah. They, they, well, you know, because they they you, do the they do the Empire State Building, and then they keep panning well, to look the right. At, look what we saw a week earlier, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, right? Right, and it's the anniversary today of the uh, Labianca murders. Tate, yeah. yeah. So, but but in that movie, uh, Quentin Tarantino was not afraid to show a lot. It was fun. Just there were scenes where nothing was said, where he's driving for. You know, mm-hmm. he, it's so five minutes, beautiful. But, you know, but you're though. seeing you know, yeah, 1969 right. Los Angeles. This was shot more like a, a, a an early Showtime movie where they didn't have the budget, so let's right. not show a lot. So they're yeah. like they're filming in Vancouver, right? But yeah, they but right. the exterior shots are all New York City. Yeah, New York City should have been a bigger part of oh, this absolutely. movie. Absolutely. Because Good that point. it's well, anything should have been a bigger part. I just not, <laughs> it, it, you know, they were walking this bad line of we're not a comedy, so let's be careful about how we be funny, mm-hmm. and consequently, there wasn't much funny at all about it. But uncomfortable we're, we're, funny. Yeah. We're, the thing is, though, they they created this great platform for comedy. It would have made a great comedy mm-hmm. because the, the mafia over in Brooklyn, the the Italian mafia, they weren't scary. They no. were nice guys. Right. You know, it's like, well, what do you think? They were trying to nice make money. They didn't yeah. want to kill anybody. No, no one was getting threatened. If you were to if and but Tiffany Haddish says the line, if they wanted you dead, you would have been dead already. And yeah, so Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, it's, And you have these great comedians and right, com- and common, not using them. common has done comedy yeah. as well. But this taught me something, and you expect this in any actresses or actors' career that come from comedy. Eventually, they're going to be told, you know, you got to do some serious stuff now. And you Melissa McCarthy has done serious stuff. Yeah, she's actually in Ghostbusters, which is yeah, unfairly maligned. Mm-hmm. She, uh, Kate McKinnon, is actually doing the Melissa McCarthy part yeah, that we right. normally know, and Melissa's. Uh, doing a fairly straight role it's based on her uh, relationship with Kristen Wiig and in in uh, what was last year's uh, can you ever forgive me that's a serious part she has done serious roles and she's actually good and her husband has nothing to do with this and usually when her husband's involved she just goes over the top slapstick and life of the party is yeah, a horrible right. movie but it, so is Tammy and Tammy's also oh, and, then what, Lord. and then there's the third one is that identity 
Oh, identity thief? theft? Is, is, that, identity is, is that thief or identity I, theft? The, the one with Jason, Jason Bateman. Bateman. Is that the yeah. third one with her husband? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. all of the ones she's done with her husband are not as bad as Happy Time Murders. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, the, and the bottom line for me, though, is I blame Andrea Burloff and the studio. For the for writing. Like, yeah, and you know, you, and want, the you want a female writer who's not going to go directing. You want them to succeed. You mm-hmm. want to see more of that because it brings a lot but more But you give her a fantastic mix. cast and a story that yeah, should right. be interesting. They gave her a lot. They gave her a lot. Yeah. but Because yeah. as you, as everyone came out of the film talking about it, they said, this is horrible, this is horrible. They can't, pinpoint the exact reason it's horrible it's 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 a bunch of everything that it's not you good. are you are so right you know what you naturally do is you go well, okay well what would have fixed this was it the lighting was it the sound was it an acting was it no. the editing was it the lack of music where it should have been and you realize oh my gosh it was all these things it's like there's too many things wrong with it and it's mm. not it's not one thing that makes this movie bad it's just a mess all around uh, and, and, which is unfortunate because I liked the characters. I liked mm-hmm. what was going on. I liked the story. It was a great story. idea, too. And, yeah. and I'm sure DC wanted this to work. I mean, it's, it's, I mean there can't be a sequel. Well, they, uh, no, it wouldn't work without this I heard that, part two. Uh, I don't know. I heard the wives that, have a bake sale. <laughs> yeah. I heard Tiffany Haddish is miscast. Um, yeah. I, I, think, I don't know about that. I think she plays what she was given. She did fine. I don't know. Um, I thought casting was a problem all around. I mean, that was when I was trying to pin it down. Uh, I, I I was thinking to myself, if someone else played, well, of course, if someone else played the roles, you still have that script, <laughs> and you still <laughs> right. have to walk a line there. That's that's you know, it's you know what it is. It's mediocrity at its best, really. It's just it, it didn't go strong enough in any one direction. Right. It's not. It's not. It's not a bad movie. It's just a bad experience. It's not fun to watch. Well, and, and it's a waste of time. Yeah. I don't and, know. I had some pretty good popcorn that night. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a big fan of Widows. I had it on my top 10. I had it as number 10. Well, so then watch Widows again. I, yeah, I would really hate to. Um, but see, that's, that's another thing. If you compare this to Widows, it is not Widows. Right. So, Ron, right. next weekend is the anniversary of Woodstock. What were you doing 50 years ago next weekend? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I was 20 years old, mm-hmm. uh, which makes me 70 now. <laughs> I was but, at your birthday party. Uh, uh, you, you guys have already invited me to join you next week for that discussion, and I am going to compare Woodstock to the Mickey Mouse Cartoon Club, and it's a fair comparison. From the, from the 50s? From, yeah, it started in the 50s, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And they they have some, they share a lot in in the baby boomers uh, history and nurturing in America. Well, I was 15 and uh, believe it or not, this little uh, naive girl from Belleville was actually on the East coast at that time, visiting my aunt and uncle who lived in Massachusetts. My uncle from Connecticut decided to rent a beach house for us in Rhode Island for a week, and we did that, and then we drove upstate New York. Oh, so are you? In Ca- wow. So to the Catskill Game Reserve, and so on the radio, they kept saying, "Don't go, don't pick up any hitchhikers," <laughs> because this was the Sunday of Woodstock. Okay, so here I am, fourteen, with my grandparents. I would turn fifteen later that year, and 
I had never seen a hippie because in Belleville, hippies <laughs> hippies hadn't arrived yet. Because uh, it was '69 in Belleville, and we didn't. We had one head shop called the Loft. That was it. Well, when did and, American Eagle come along? American Eagle was Belleville, also, wasn't it? I'm not sure. Yep, that was, I'm not that sure. Was there, so. He and, knew. And he knew so, so, she was 14. What did she know? <laughs> what did I know? She and I went sorry. to a Catholic all-girls school. Oh, yeah. So so here I am. I'm looking out the window going, Where are the I'm hoping I see a hippie. So here, come to find <laughs> out. That is the weekend of Woodstock, and I'm with my grandparents in a car. And did you see a hippie? No, oh. I did not. Oh. See, back then, every hippie was Charles Manson. <laughs> but see, that's... That, um, let's see who Buzzfeed and Vulture. They're all saying that that's the difference of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's what stopped people from thinking about hippies as anti-war and peace-loving. It was the mm-hmm. Manson. They were hippies in wolf's clothing because once once the Manson murders happened, sure. then they equated those people with hippies. But hippies were just smoking pot and anti-war guys, right? Peace, right. Love. Right. They no. wouldn't. Yeah, right. they weren't Wear the murderers. flowers in your hair. They weren't the murderers that. Right. And a person like Leo Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he has that misperception of what hippies are. Dirty hippies. Oh, yeah. Dirty hippies. He calls them dirty hippies. So yeah. basically, everyone he he met in that movie, he punched in the face. Yeah. Oh no, no, it, it was um, uh, Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. Brad Pitt punched every one of them in the face. <laughs> right, right. But he, uh, but he was also he was also okay. He was put one fit. It's it's only once he got the bad vibes from that ranch. Yeah, because right. he was okay with picking up the hippie, not sleeping with her, yes, but yeah, buying drugs right. from yeah, her. Sure. He, he and he kept running into her, and so he he was okay with the hippie lifestyle. It's just once he got the bad vibes from what was actually going on in that. Yeah in that ranch that he was more on Rick's side than everyone else was, I would say. But that's what happened. And Tarantino's getting a little flack from that. Like hippies were not like that. Quit Rick is not the guy to be thinking that he's thinking like Nixon. Well, here's, here's a little side story on that. It wasn't covered in the movie, but you know, the band gypsy James Mm -hmm. Walsh and gypsy, they lived at that time, they were the house band for um, on Sunset Strip. Um, there were two two rock clubs. The whiskey, there, there was the whiskey at the whiskey. I think it was the whiskey. Yes, it was the whiskey. Um, and they were living in the house right next door to Sharon Tate. And um, oh, so wow. where Rick and Cliff would have been. Wow, right. And I read yeah. I read that Quincy Jones was a friend of Jay Sebring, and he was going to stop by, but he didn't go. Wow! Really? Wow! Yeah, I wow. read that today. Isn't that bizarre? So, so when this when this happened, this murder happened, this mass murder happened, all the guys in Gypsy, they were you know they, they were, were home. They're musicians. They're home all day. They were just hanging out there like hippies do. They they mm-hmm. were long hair. They were musicians. They didn't have to be at work until man, five o'clock. Yeah, exactly. But whoa, did they get questioned a lot? Mm-hmm. And they were very scared about it because it's like they oh, were, they these were, were hippies. It's like you, they, yeah. What we forget is now we know the Manson family did it, but back then nobody knew who did it. Yeah, uh, right. I mean, it, and they were it, still being nailed for Al it. Wyman because they were hippies. Al Wyman, so that was attitude the one. already apparently yeah. existed. Al Wyman from That's Channel right, Four yeah. and uh, the Science Center. He was a reporter back in Los Angeles right. then, <laughs> and he said he was driving down. J.C. Corcoran tells this story amazingly because he had Al on, and Al yeah, told right. the whole thing. So I'm telling the story third hand, but Al said, "Okay." So we think they went from here to here 
and they followed their route, where would be the best place to throw out their clothes, their clothes and the knives? And he, there was a turn, and he's like, if I was doing this, this is where... And so he stopped in that corner, and that's where they found the bloody clothes and the knives. Wow. That's amazing. That's a, yeah, that's a God wink if you believe in that stuff, you know, because there's all that, there's, there's all just so much lore. But what I, what I like about, well, I like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood very much, but it's bringing more dialogue in. You know, like my 31-year-old son, he didn't know much about the Manson family. He didn't know. Exactly. And that's why this movie is for people under the age of 50. It's confusing. They can't appreciate it, and which is why people that are older than 50 also have problems with this movie because they're like, uh... Well, because I was very, very familiar with the story, I I was picking up on the clues very early. How it was was going to happen? Yeah, as soon as it said Charlie... And when he said squeaky, mm-hmm. you know, and then, yeah, and you could kind of see it coming. But I, I thought that then they would turn around and go over there and commit their murders over right, there. Right. But no, I didn't know they were going to get totally destroyed like that. <laughs> but that's Quentin Tarantino, you know, so right. he, yeah, he, he the, certainly delivers. Yeah. The new revisionist. And yeah. then they don't even touch on the low Bianca murders, which, no. you know, yeah. which would have been the next night. But yesterday right. I had a conversation with a 24 year old who saw the movie and didn't understand he didn't until it was over and he went home and looked it up they were talking no he just started talking about it with friends and he goes this yeah that was squeaky from that was charlie manson wasn't it she tried to kill president ford but then he looked it up to Mm -hmm. see what was the real story he thought that must have been the story you know but exactly and that's the problem that people that don't know about this like it's different with Django, and it's different with Inglorious Bastards because you know that Hitler was not killed in a movie right, theater, yeah. and you would have, you think you would have heard about a plantation b- being burned down by slaves. This, with his revisionist history, you don't. There are people that don't know what happened. For those who did, it was so satisfying. It right, is, wasn't it? It yes, is, like and, you're and cheering him uh, on, and it just brings you back to that time so well. It just hits the yeah. nail on the head, yeah. and then, uh, but Charlie, my son, he when we I was talking named to him after about Charles that, Manson. Uh, no, well, funny story though. <laughs> when I wanted to name him Charlie after my uncle Charlie, mm-hmm. I said, well, you know, everybody that you meet named Charlie is a good person, except for Charles Manson. And then people mm-hmm. said, only you would think of that. <laughs> but I did have. To, I thought, oh no, you know. But anyway, okay, so again, Charlie. Yeah. So he wants to go back and see it again. So now, because I was telling him, because he didn't know Dakota Fanning was squeaky from, mm-hmm. and he didn't know all that, and so he's like, oh, yeah. oh, oh. It's a lot worth of, seeing okay. again once you a lot know of people, yeah. A lot so, of people want to see it again yeah. to see what they picked up. Because as we were talking with Jim last week, he said the first time he was watching it, he wanted to see what happens. The second time he could watch it, he wanted to be able to appreciate what was happening. And the third time he watched it, he still finding things. Because it's yeah. almost a three-hour uh, movie. Yeah. Well, you know, to, to bring it full circle back to the kitchen, this was, to me, the major problem with the kitchen. You could have gotten something out of that if you could name one scene. Mm-hmm. in the kitchen that was funny or unusual or was like stood out to you maybe the guy in the bathtub being carved up you know but mm-hmm. nah we've seen that before right. it's no big deal the, but but the, in the uh, final confrontation was funny because you thought one thing was going to happen and i thought that i i thought that was really clever i'm trying to remember it see, see this is exactly. my point so the final confrontation between Tiffany Haddish and Melissa McCarthy 
Oh yeah, okay. In the deli. Yeah, but that came off to me like television drama. I'm, it really did. You okay. Know, for whatever reason, but the the point being, when you talk about uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you can go on and on and on about funny scenes and things that, that you <laughs> remember and you'll laugh about and you want to see again. That's what a, that's what makes. Did Cliff kill his know, wife or not? You don't yeah, know. Yeah, there you go. You yeah. don't know if Cliff killed his wife or not. Is it one of those movies that the minute you get out, you just forget it? Well, yeah, the or kitchen? you try. Yeah, because uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're still would... talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so we haven't forgotten so, it. Anyway, no, thank but... you both for, for inviting me in on this. Well, thank you. I got it out of my system. I'm, I'm going to forget it now. All right. We look forward to uh, hearing your take on Woodstock. There's a new documentary on PBS about right. Woodstock. I'm watch that. Um, it's, it's a hun- It's a hour 39 minutes so it's streaming right now and time magazine said it just brings nothing new but everybody knows the three-hour documentary that martin scorsese worked on right. as an editor hmm. right hmm. yeah and uh there was a the couple that's on the album they were 20 years hmm. oh, old yeah, at right, time, yeah. and they I, I believe they're still together if they're alive they're still so they're together seven. yeah they didn't they show a photo of them somewhere i recently? think they did yeah, yeah. yeah and so many stories so many people have so many stories and and that and there still hasn't really been a good fictional film about that. Oh, wow. You know? um, the Dimitri Martin Martin movie was not bad. Right. It wasn't good, but it wasn't bad. Yeah, Jonathan Groff was in that. Yes. Yeah. I was hoping Inside I, I had high hopes, and it was Ang Lee. I was hoping it would have good. Well, we'll have to research that for next week. But it did. It was the big bang, I guess you should we would say right. And the David Crosby documentary is coming out That's next coming week. Out, yeah. yes. So it's interesting we'll that because Tuesday that was morning. the first gig for Crosby, Stills, and Nash. We'll see mm, that Tuesday wow. morning. That's only an hour and a half. Yeah. You're not going to be. Oh, good for you. You're going to see it from your own home. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> well, All because right. I have news deadlines still new. Okay. So okay. the other movies that came out this week, uh, the Dead Dog movie. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure that uh, – <laughs> Sure, it's crowd pleasers. Well, it's a dog movie, and it's based on a book. And I asked somebody, I asked somebody, I said, why are you going to this movie? Because you know what's going to happen, and it's going to make you cry at the end. And he said his fiance read the book, and she loved it, and so that's why they're going. It's got Milo Ventimiglia in it, and he, it's about the what's it, the art of racing in the rain. So He's a race car driver. Is he? I don't, yeah. I don't know. And Kevin Costner's the voice of the dog. Yeah. And so, what? Whatever. It is what it is. It's a dog movie, and I don't know if the dog dies or not, but I'm assuming that the dog probably dies. It's Pretty like sh- Marley and Me. Yeah. Any of those dog movies, it's just going to be cry. A dog movie. Yeah. Also, let's see what else came out this week. Uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Um, our friend Max Foise said that it is going to be on the worst list of movies at the end of the year. So... Take that. I did not see that. I went and saw something that we're going to talk about next week. Um, I saw Dora the Explorer, and I enjoyed Dora the Explorer. I thought it would be – it's going. To, it's a movie for little kids. It is not – I thought it would be something for everyone. It is a movie for little kids. It is a movie for uh, millennial parents that they can appreciate what's going on and there are a lot of things to like about Dora the Explorer. It's Dora and the City of Gold. The, and, hold on. Dora and the Lost City of Gold. And it stars Elizabeth, uh, not Elizabeth, it stars Isabel Monet, 
Moner. It's not Monet. It's Moner. Isabella Moner as Dora the Explorer, and she plays Dora at the age of 16. And Dora has been in the uh, jungle with her parents, and her parents are going off, and they think that she needs to go to the city and learn some stuff, which is actually a little bit based on the uh, sequel to Dora the Explorer on Nickelodeon, uh, Dora and Friends. It's Dora in, in the city, but they still go back to the jungle all the time. When did Dora show up on Nickelodeon? Um, I want to say like 2000. Yeah, it was past when my kids were well, watching exactly. Nickelodeon all the time. But it was a cute concept. And it taught kids Spanish, and she looked at the camera just like on Blue's Clues. They do that in the movie too. Can you say Rojo? And she looks, and both of her parents are like, what, what is she doing? <laughs> and, and her parents are played by Eva Longoria and Michael Pena, which... Oh. I, I love that casting. Yeah. And I think it's, but because normally Dora's parents were like really didn't do anything. And Diego was in the movie. Go Diego Go was more about animals. And Diego, this movie kind of like glosses over Go Diego Go because at eight years old, Diego moves to the city and he, or is it six? It doesn't, it doesn't matter how or when. So it's live action. It's, it's live action. Animated. But the weird thing is you still have Swiper and Boots. And Boots is a CGI monkey and it's not uh, a thing. <laughs> it's just, uh, and Swiper's in this movie and Swiper talks, but Swiper's the fox and Swiper no swiping. And Danny Trejo and... Benicio del Toro do the voices of those animals, and it's just uh, I, I I like what they did with Boots, but every everything weird about this movie is because of Swiper, because it is it is still a fantasy, and there there are lots of nods to the original series, and there are poop jokes in it, but the poop jokes are told by the girls, okay. so it's okay. And then Dora's a misfit at school, but then. She's a threat to the Val Victorian because she's smart and she can do things. But the uh, the Val Victorian is a girl of color, so it's not a white person attacking Dora. It's another person of color that is attacking Dora. And then Diego is played by a Wahlberg, so I didn't know how that a Wahlberg was going to play a Latino, but it happened, and so it's just. It's not for everyone. I appreciate it because I had a kid who grew up there. And guess what? My daughter did not want to go with me to the movie. She's like, mm. no, no, you. this is for kids. And we were both right. I enjoyed it. She would have not enjoyed it. And so Dora and the Lost City of Gold, I had a good time, but I don't necessarily recommend. It's not for everyone. It is for little kids because there are poop jokes. And it's good to see uh, – uh, Django Fett is in the movie as one of the bad guys. I'm like, oh, tomorrow morning. Uh, I'm saying his name wrong, but Morrison, he is in this movie, and I'm like, oh, Django Fett's getting some work. And one of the guys that is in this is a huge Latino star. He was in, um, um, what was the name of that movie? It was it was huge because when it came out, uh, Instructions Not Included, is that what the movie was? He is a huge uh, Latin American star. Nobody knows him in the United States, but now he is a uh, a fixture, <laughs> and he's really good in this movie. His name is Eugenio Derbez, 
and he is really good in the movie and Danny Trejo is Boots the way they do Boots is fine but Benicio Del Toro Swiper is a swiping fox that can talk and everybody can understand him it'd be different if Swiper and Boots were not in the movie but they are and so you just have to grin and bear it as it is because it's a children's movie and why not have a talking fox so it's basically for families and then for girls who grew up with it who want to still see it but in a style they borrow from a lot of things there's a lot of indiana jones in it there's a lot of tomb raider in it there's a scene direct lifted directly from uh lost crusade our last crusade and it's just very it's very everything you think it's going to be and Dora is so wide-eyed and innocent that the what the whole thing about the Hollywood Reporter, that seventy-year-old guy who said, "Oh, it's all uh, I'm feeling weird about Dora." No, she plays everything innocent and very well done. She plays Dora as Dora is. There's nothing. There's not like a bikini scene or anything. There's nothing like a Jumanji uh, uh, belly shirt in it. She plays Dora. Like she's the eight, even though she's a teenager, she is still eight-year-old Dora the entire time. I I recommend this with trepidation. <laughs> okay. So you, you have to know what you're getting in. Uh, Tamura Morrison, that's what I, I meant to say. And so if you think you're going to like this movie, I think you'll like it. If you have, uh, if you have leeriness about the movie, then don't see it. You won't care for it. All right, so, All right, so it's going to be good to show the grandkids someday. Right. <laughs> um, you, other movies, you well, saw Them I'm, That Follow. Yeah, I saw Them That Follow. We've got Creepy Snakes. And? And Extreme Religion. Oh. And Young Love. Ooh, and how does that work? It's interesting film. It is a, it's a tad gruesome. And I'm not saying it's pleasant to watch, but it has its saving grace is its cast. Best Actress winner, Olivia Coleman mm-hmm. is one of the mothers, mm-hmm. yes. And her husband is played by Jim Gaffigan. Really? I love Jim Gaffigan. I know, and he plays it totally straight. Totally, totally straight. All this so. other stuff's going around him, and he's just, hi. Yeah, and uh, Walter Goggins. Walton. The, Walton. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right, Walton Goggins. I always call him Walter. A lot of people do. He's 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 used to that. Oh my God! It's in my print review. <gasps> I think. Can you fix it? I better. I'll ask Kent. Okay. So and <laughs> it's I, I, I talked about it on, the, on KTRS last night. Okay. So uh, he was he, on Justified. Yes, and he's going to be in this new CBS series called The Unicorn about a widowed dad trying to get back into the dating biz, and and he's got girls, and you mm. know, is so it's a whole family thing. But he could play evil, and he's great in. Uh, Speaking of Quentin Tarantino, he's great in Hateful Eight. Yes. And he is a character actor that if you don't know his name, you still know his oh, face. He was, um, he's nominated for an Emmy for Justified. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, he plays a, a pastor of a Pentecostal obscure sect that handles serpents. Oh, the snake handlers. Yeah. And... I wasn't really familiar with this. And this is deep in Appalachia. It's shot really well. It's a first feature by a woman named 
I just Brit Poulton. Okay. She's really Brittany, but she's Brit Poulton now. And then her co-writer and co-director is Dan Madison Savage, because there is a Dan Savage. Uh-huh. Dan and, Savage is the writer. Right. And so uh, they, they had this premiere at Sundance. Mm-hmm. So now it's, it's their directoral uh, debut. It's Yes. It's now being released. And they wrote it, too. Yeah. So their young cast is up-and-comers. And I've heard of some of these names. Uh, yeah. Catherine Deaver, uh, Al, Al, Alice, wait, Alice Elgert. Yes, and her mother is Jane Campion. Oh, really? The director of... The piano. The piano, and she's Australian. She's going places. Mm-hmm. She's. I looked her up. She's in a bunch of uh, TV shows, and uh, she's going places, this girl. She plays this young Mara, innocent girl. She is engaged to Lewis Pullman, Bill Pullman's son, okay, who was so good in uh, the movie that I did not like, Ballad of the El Royal. Uh, uh, Bad Times of the El Royal. Yeah, Bad Times of the El Royal. But he's got that face that's sad looking mm-hmm. that you just want to give him a hug. He's also going to be in Maverick, ah, Top Gun 2. Ah. So he is engaged to this girl. And it's, you know. Alice Elgert or Catherine Deaver? Alice Elgert. Um, Caitlin Deaver. Caitlin Deaver. From Booksmart. And she's also from uh, Short Term 12. Yes. And she played Gary Hart's daughter in the the Jason Reitman movie and Front Runner. And mm-hmm. she's in a lot of, she was the drug addict girl in Beautiful Boy with Timothy oh, okay. Chalamet. She's in a ton of movies. And I know her, she was in uh, Clarissa, an American Girl Story. Aha. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So she is Dilly, the best friend, and she lives in a trailer. They're dirt poor. Mm-hmm. And they believe in community and everybody knows everything about each other. And it's very faith. They take these snakes and they believe that if you've done something bad, you'll get bitten, and and then it's up to the Lord because they don't believe in hospitals or medical attention, mm-hmm. and uh, they so they have a love triangle. Thomas Mann, who was so good in Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, mm-hmm. and was also in Kong Skull Island, and he, he was also in Hansel and Gretel: Rich Hunters. Aha, mm-hmm. he is in love with Mara, uh-huh. and Mara is in love with him. But she's engaged to Lewis Pullman because of uh, religious things. Yeah, yeah. It it doesn't ex- explain it really well, which is why I only gave this movie a B because I'm fascinated by it, and and this this cast is so good. But I think the characters needed to be developed more. Mm-hmm. So uh, she's discovers she she uh, lifts. She's at the convenience store that Olivia Coleman runs, and she takes the pregnancy test home. Uh oh. Yeah. So we'll we'll just leave it at that. Okay. And the things, snake got her pregnant. <laughs> and things happen, mm-hmm. and it's not pretty. And in fact, it's really gruesome. And uh, the the dad. So is it a horror movie? And it's a thriller. Okay. It's a thriller. So, but Jim it's Gaffigan. A, it's a low key. Kill, uh, it's a low-key thriller, but it, it it opens your eyes up about these religious cults. Yes, and Walter Goggins is a widow, and so this is his only daughter, and everybody's really good. The accents slip a little bit, you know, because hillbilly's out in the mm-hmm. it's a little Appalachia. Yeah, so it it slips, but it's just a fascinating story. And it's well shot. And I think this cast is really good. I just wanted a tad more mm-hmm. to elevate it into like fascinating. But there are times where I, I will admit I was on the edge of my seat. 
Really? And there is a salvation element to the mm-hmm. film, so it's because not it's all religious. gruesome. But but it's not vi- like uh, they were asking me on the radio last night: Is it violent? And I'm like, not in the traditional sense, but in the sense that um, it's gruesome in terms of they don't believe in doctors. <laughs> 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 Let's just put it like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, and there's some there's some hard there's some hard to watch scenes. I'm not saying it's easy to watch at all, but I gave it a B. Kent gave it a B plus. Uh, I just think if if you're if you want to see a movie and you just want to get away, now the movie I think is the feel good movie of the week mm-hmm. is Brian Banks. Brian Banks, and people are going to discover this movie because we. Sometimes you just need a true story to lift you up. I'm a sucker for true story biopics that have a redemption. Mm -hmm. And I think we all are. Well, this brings us back because Brian Banks is played by Aldous Hodge, who was in Straight Outta Compton. Yes. That's when you guys were talking about that. I was thinking, oh, my goodness. Yes. And he's on a, a new series with... Kevin Bacon called City on a Hill. I'm not sure. Okay. Is it is it Netflix? Is it Amazon? I don't know. I don't know. He's been in quite. He was in Hidden Figures. Yes, he was. He was. He was in a lot of movies. He's a. He's a. It's on Showtime. Yeah, City on a Hill's a, on Showtime. He's a good looking man. He's he's well. Um, he he he's very convincing in this movie. This is a procedural movie. Mm-hmm. It's not going to win any awards. It's it's very by the book. Very competent. The director is Tom Shadiak, which who did Patch Adams. So, oh, speak. With, I never saw Patch Adams. I didn't mind it like other people did. Some people hate. Patch I know Adams. they hate it with a passion. It does. It does manipulate you and tug at your heartstrings. Is it based on a true story? Mm-hmm. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. So, it, Brian Banks, all-star American football star, uh, finds his life upended when he's wrongly committed of a crime. Yes, so who's, he's a, who's yeah. Greg Kinnear? Greg Kinnear plays this guy that's with the California Innocent Project. Okay. And I just totally forgot The white savior? Yeah, the white savior. But actually, he's not as Justin much a Brooks? savior. Yeah, Justin Brooks. Is that a he, real person? Yeah, at the end, they show all the real, they show the real people oh. next to, you know, that's a common ploy now to mm-hmm. show the real person. Okay, so this Brian Banks, the, the message of the story is... Our justice he, system is broken. Well, yeah, that, and that he never gave up on himself. This guy just, he he created his own redemption and destiny. The the, and it's not all the white people picking it up though, because in this uh, California Innocence Project, there's mm-hmm. women of color that are helping too. Uh, Sherry Shepard. Uh, Sherry Shepard plays his mom, so he's in high school and he he at summer school. Okay, and. Well, he's probably getting ready for football season. Uh, yeah, getting ready for football. And there's this um, hallway with classrooms, and then these kids go to this one room to make out, and everybody knows about it. And this little um, gr- uh, this girl, uh, she, you know, she and him, they go to the room and start making out, mm-hmm. and he hears a teacher, so he abruptly stops everything. And she's young and confused and doesn't know, and he doesn't really explain himself well, you know, so. He goes to jail. So she accuses him of rape mm. sodomy, and kidnapping and sodomy. Kidnapping. And, and the mother, um, her mother is all on board with it, thinking they're getting money out of this deal and mm-hmm. everything. So he's pretty much railroaded by the system. He has a horrible lawyer, and they pl- they do a plea, but he has to go to jail for six years 
when he gets out, he's on parole. He has to wear a ankle bracelet. Ankle bracelet, and he can't really follow his dream of wanting to get in the, play NFL. in the NFL. Yeah. So it's all there. He uh, so he goes. He, he many times he's writing Greg Kinnear's character. Many times he's trying, and they're saying, "Hey, you you did a plea. We don't have. We got to have a big." huge reveal we have to have something that we can work with here something you can use in court so the victim recounts she wants to friend him on facebook Mm. and she's he's like why why would you do that She's like, well, I was just looking at people from high school, and you look mighty fine, and she's got three kids, and she's like, uh, I just thought we could let bygones be bygones, and he's basically like, um, you accused me of rape and put me in prison. And ruined my life because I can't get a job. I can't do football. I can't do everything. So she recants. I don't know how this really happened in real life, but... They meet and the, she gets taped and she recants. But then she, um, in tries the legal maneuvers, tries to because her mother's there mm-hmm. and her, but but they record her admitting it. Right. So eventually, the truth does come out. Good. And all's well that ends well. And he remembers um, this coach at USC because he was going to go to USC. He was mm. targeted. He was like one to watch. USC was looking at him. This Pete Carroll. Who's the Seahawks coach? Yeah, gave him a tryout. He didn't make it. He he didn't uh, he didn't make any of the NFL teams the year he got out in 2012. He was on the Las Vegas football team. Yeah, and then he uh, the C, uh, the Atlanta Falcons picked him up. Oh, the next year, and he played in four preseason games, and then like John David Washington, right, he was on was, the practice squad. Was cut from mm-hmm. uh, the Rams. Yeah. So so he was cut from the Falcons, but he did get to He got to play. And he made two tackles and oh. and that. So it's a really inspiring story. It's one of those it's like, how do we not know this? But you know, it's good. I don't know what, what he's doing now. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he helps with the California Innocent Project. Well, he this movie was released in LA back in September. Yeah. It was uh, actually films? Part of it was filmed in Memphis, and I was there last week at the Memphis Film Prize, and one of the actresses was in it. In one of the films is in this movie. She's one of the news people. I saw I go, oh, I know her now. Mm-hmm. And she said that it took a while to get a distributor. Oh, so it so, did the festival circuit. Yeah. So it's not available. It's not It's not uh, eligible for any awards this year. Yeah. So it's Bleecker Street came right. out with it. But it's just, you know, it's August. It's it's not um, you know it's a procedural. It goes through the whole court system, the printing. And you already told everybody how it ends. So, <laughs> well, you kind of figure. Well, it's that. a real. It's yeah, a, it's, it's a real, real story. story. And if you know, you know, his dream of playing in the NFL, they wouldn't be saying that if he didn't make it. Make it. And and it's a real person, so you can look him up. So, um, the savior of the movie is actually Morgan Freeman. Really. Yeah. Is he? He was a uh, prison counselor, Uh and he put him on the right path, and he says he lives by his words every day, this guy. Okay. and The guy uh, that Morgan Freeman's playing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And he's still friends with him. Oh, good. But so Morgan Freeman's really the the hero, but but he's not even billed. No, he's not. And so when I saw him, I went, hey, 
I didn't know Morgan Freeman was in this movie. So I didn't know whether to reveal Oscar that or Woman, not. <laughs> Oscar winner Morgan Freeman is in this movie. I know. He's so. not even like on the poster I'm looking no, at No, right and now. they don't they don't even mention it. So I don't know what that's about, and I don't know if they like that I'm saying this, but I gave it a B. It's probably not even, it's probably like a C plus. But, but you were it's inspired. convincing. Okay. And I like that. It's convincing. You know, and whatever they manufactured to make the the conflict better, you know, or like the girlfriend mm-hmm. and who knows. But they pretty much keep to this guy never giving up and just going to try to clear his name. Mm-hmm. And then all those little moments that happen that uh, people got on. But it does show that, that the legal system is just so messed up messed up and if you have somebody that it was you know he said versus she said no Mm -hmm. evidence whatsoever and put him away for six years yeah all right so let's go through quickly what's going on on the dvds you've got pokemon detective pikachu Mm -hmm. which i liked more than i should have uh you have curse of la llorona which is in the Conjuring universe. They didn't tell you that. They wanted you to find that out, but now they're promoting the fact that it's in the Conjuring universe. It's not as good as this year's Annabelle Comes Home, but if you are already invested in the uh, Conjuring universe, you'll need to see this because I'm sure it will tie into some things. It is very loosely based, but uh, you could see... um, uh, Linda Cardellini coming back and doing something more in the Conjuring universe, and I did not mind her seeing her in this movie. Everybody she, loves she, her. She plays a good mom in this movie. Uh, let's see, Palms. Did you see Palms? Yes, and I hated it. Okay. <laughs> and that was the one that was pandering to us old women. Women of a certain age. Yes, thank you. You know, and it was so. Now my sister loved it. Okay. My sister's three years younger than me, and she loved it. It's about uh, ex-cheerleaders who want to— One um, last score. Yeah, they want to uh, maintain their dignity mm-hmm. in a assisted living situation. Or, I don't know. No, no, it's a retirement community. You They're can not, listen to this on yes. a p- previous episode. Lynn hated it so much. <laughs> but you can listen to it in a previous Real Times Trio episode. Uh, Tolkien— is out. I did not see that. Not, nor I. Amazing Grace, you did see. That's Which the, I love. That's the Aretha Franklin documentary. Yes, and it's based on her being at a Baptist church back in Singing the 60s. gospel songs. And Sidney Pollack has something to do with it. And it's just tremendous with this one church choir. And it's, if you liked Aretha, if you love, I, I love gospel singing mm-hmm. and the the choirs, church. It's inspiring and uplifting, and it's streaming and it's at the Red Box. Uh, the souvenir I did not see. No, that's Tilda Swinton's daughter. Speaking of daughters, mm-hmm. uh, kids of famous people, uh, and then Donnie Brook, which is the Charlie Brennan story, and Martin <laughs> Dugan. No, it has nothing to do with Henry Hartman. It has nothing to do with any. No, of that. and I put that on our list because we thought Dan was going to be here this week, and Dan and saw, he it. saw it. Well, and isn't that one of his guys? Isn't that one of his? Is it Frank Rillo in yeah, there? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, he did see it. You can see it on KSDK.com. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there you go. Well, and, let's um, talk about Matilda. Yes, at the Muni. Just for a second, because we're running... Ron, Ron was great. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Matilda, um, the main reason to see this uh, play for two more days now at the Muni 
is the set design by Mary Englebright. Yes, which is whimsical and, and the explodes girl with Matilda imagination. Is really good too. She is. She played her on Broadway. And you know what else? Uh, different from the one last time it was on Broadway and in the West End, and, and it's still playing in the West End in London because yes. this is a purely British story. And also, uh, when it was here at the Fox a couple of years ago, Mrs. Trunbill is played by a woman this time. It, yeah, Beth Malone. And uh, she takes Will Swenson's place, a.k.a. Mr. Audra McDonald. Um, he's an actor of his own, you know, Tony nominee. Mm-hmm. I saw him in uh, on Broadway in uh, The Mystery of Edwin Drood. Yeah, so he's a Broadway dude who it, has but, a but lot of work. That's different because the role is a very physical one. Yes. I mean, she, she does it fine, but it's it's the fact that the sets and the designs are it's all Mary Englebright. It's basically the story. The story is Annie, by the way, and, <laughs> and but it's still based on a Roald Dahl book from 1988. But it's Annie with the really cruel pic, uh, parents. The parents. My friend that went with me wasn't familiar with this story, and she found a hard time to invest in it because it's so dark. I know it's all's Roald, well that it's ends well. Right. All's well movie, that ends well. But but then the movies with Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman and Kate Mara. Not Kate Mara. Not, no, it's not. Mara Rooney. Right? No. It's somebody who never went on uh, just a couple of movies. Was she in the the Miracle of 34 yes, Street? She yes, she was. Yeah. That girl. It is. Hold on. Mara Wilson. That's I was it. it was so close. It was, I was a Mara, so close. You was, were Mara Wilson. And so that and that was Americanized. The movie was Americanized in 90. So the movie the book came out in 88. The movie came out in uh 96 and then on Broadway it came out in 2010. So well, 2013 it came to Broadway. Well, th- but there, in the there, West there was, End. There was, there was yeah. a, yes, it came yeah. it, it it was over in England first and then it came to Broadway. And on the Fox tour, everybody was upset because the sound was so bad and their accents were so hard to understand. But the guy that was Mr. Miss Trunchbull. Trunchbull, sorry. Was the actor who played Jesus at the Muni in Jesus Christ Superstar. Okay. So anyway, but he was good. But no, that is an evil character. They're horrible people. She's a horrible headmistress. Her parents are just idiots. And this poor little girl just puts herself into books. She just reads books all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's why Mary Englebright's work is so inspiring because there's stacks of books. You get a bookmark in your, in your program, program, if you're lucky enough to get one, because we only got one and had three programs. Oh. And so... Well, I got one. It fell out when I got home, because mm-hmm. I was like, what is this? It's a Mary Englebright bookmark. I know, and it's beautiful, and it's all about reading. And my wife said, of all the shows, because she has seen every show except Footloose, and I, and I saw Footloose, she said the brand new screens this year of the seven shows... This was the best use of the brand new screens at the yes, I think so. And all the words and the and the kids are fabulous. This should have been the kids show instead of uh, yeah Cinderella. This cast was phenomenal. Uh, This is the saving grace of this. Uh, Laura Michelle Kelly has just got the most beautiful voice. She played Mary Poppins on Broadway. She played all sorts of roles like that at the Muni. She has been Mary Poppins. She has been. Maria in West in uh, Sound of Music. She has been. Was she in West Side Story? 
No. She was uh, in the South Pacific with okay. Ben Davis. She was, oh, you know, the girl that's Nellie. Nellie. So my wife said, speaking of West Side Story, even though none of the people that we were just talking about were in West Side Story, Matilda is a great way to end a season. West Side Story is a bad way to end a season because everyone leaves depressed after West Side Story. With Matilda, you feel great when you're leaving because it ends on a happy note. Right. It's all about kindness, about kindness, and um, nice all the other. adults are wicked mm-hmm. and cruel. Well, not all. Not all. There no, are Miss two. Honey. Miss, Miss Honey, Honey and the librarian are nice. Right. But the evil, I well, should Well, the Russian is nice. <laughs> yeah. The evil people are all wicked adults. None of the kids are evil. except Well, her brother's just a doofus. Right. And the kids in the school are just wonderful, mm-hmm. and uh, they're bullied and uh, beaten. Uh, they're and... put in the chokey. Oh. Now, I do have one issue with the singing. They're singing the British accent. You notice when British people sing, let's say like the Beatles or uh, One Direction, they don't sing in an accent. They just sing, and they sound. You can't, if they're singing normally, you can't tell where they are from. Right. But... In Matilda, everyone sings like they're they're Cockney and they're singing like, hello, everybody. It's a little much. Yeah, I would think. I didn't think they were going to do that heavy of an accent, but it was okay. You could hear. Right. You could hear. Well, when the mics were working. The night I was there, the sound had some issues. They have two days of tech rehearsal now because that's how they're, because of the new system that they have, they have approximately two rehearsals one is tech and one is dress i don't know why they are still having these problems at the muni with their sound if the person's i and and it's a brand new sound system but they've now gone through seven or eight weeks of this i don't know why they are still having these problems i'll come in and run their sound for you because I, i that's what i do that's what i do at a hockey game i can do this if someone's mic is on stage turn it on yeah, that's been that's been an issue all season, right? So, why? Uh, I I'm not sure. They will be announcing the next season in November, November fifth and sixth. Muni Magic is always at the Shelton, and they're bringing the two stars from Cinderella, Michaela Bennett. I don't remember. I blocked that show out of my and mind. Jason Gote, okay. who's he was really good in Into the Woods as Jack and as Prince Eric in Little Mermaid. He's a good, good performer. He's, he was one of the bright points of Cinderella, right? So they're bringing them back to sing. And you know, we've mentioned the move. One of the movies that the director of Matilda was in, uh, Happy Time Murders, a movie that I do not care for. But since he worked on Avenue Q and he worked with Brian Henson, he is in that horrible Muppet movie. I didn't know that. John Tartaglia, I interviewed him a couple years ago. He won the St. Louis film, uh, the St. Louis Theater Circle's supporting actor for being in uh, of a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Yes. Yeah. So, but he's been. He was the genie in Aladdin. He was uh, Cat in the Hat in mm-hmm. Susical. He is a Muni favorite, and he loves. He puts it in his contract. But he's a puppeteer. I know. He puts it in his contract that he he whatever he's doing, he gets time off to be in the Muni For during the two summer. Weeks. So last year he directed Annie, which I was surprised at. Annie was so good last year. He has a whim. He has a playfulness about mm-hmm. him, and Mary Engelbright. 
has a whimsical mm-hmm. quality. So that was a perfect match. It does explode with imagination. It's just if you're not familiar with the story, it's going to take a while. And it's not like Annie. It's just it seems a lot like Annie. I can tell if Annie is going to be good um, when I hear uh, Annie's first song. Is that maybe if the girl is nasal, it's going to be a horrible show. <laughs> Me. Maybe yeah. far away. Yeah, and if that if that is not well done, you can tell within the first fifteen minutes if it's going to be a good Annie or not. Yeah, well, the casting in Matilda is spot on and sharp and and, we'll, and you really said good. She played her on Broadway. Yeah, I just wonder how old she is. Well, yes, she does look a little older than, however, like fourteen or no, uh, she's like Matilda's eight. supposed to be five. Yeah, yeah. Well, but she played her on Broadway when she was nine. I can see that, but so she thirteen, you know. But I, I, but you know, nowadays this is what we get. And That's, she was on. She was the original uh, Disney Frozen on Broadway. She played young Anna. So, do you want to build a snowman? Oh, she got to sing that. Well, she's very polished and professional, and she tugs at your heartstrings. She's just um, one of those performers. Oh, she's on that... MC's Nosferatu. Oh, the vampire show. Wow. All right. There's a, yeah. There's a lot of cable TV. With well, all these movie people, they're they're on all these cable shows that we don't even. Well, also, you know, speaking of theater, uh, we know that Angels in America is going to be at uh, the Rep, and one of the stars is from uh, NCIS Los Angeles, and he's not going to be in the first six episodes of the show because he's going to be in this play with Meredith uh, Bernie. No, damn no, it, I said it wrong. She's, it's she's long Baxter. divorced she's, from David Bernie. She is um, does not like men anymore. She no, is uh, no. married to a woman now. And uh, she was the mom in uh, Family Ties, Elise. Right. But, Michael uh, J. Fox's But back mother. then she was uh, Meredith Baxter Bernie because she was married to David Bernie. But now she is a lesbian and she is just Meredith Baxter. Right. And so if you're a fan of NCIS, we are sorry that we took, um, let's see, what's his name? His, he was on, uh, he's on NCIS Los Angeles. His name is uh, Barrett Foa, and he is going to be taking a leave of absence. He also, um, he was also on um, another show, but that that's... Well, this play, Angels in America, is a behemoth, and it's an actor's dream. And the first part opens on uh, September 6th, that's press night, and then the second chapter, Perestroika, is on the next night? The 13th. Oh, so the, we next have a week. week. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And so, like, all these stories about NCIS LA are all linking back to the rep. So, good for the rep for making national news. Yeah, that is really good. So uh, locally, there's just the usual. You know, it's it's the middle of August. Kids Time are starting there. to uh, kids are starting to go back to school. So the Skyview Drive-In has now gone to just weekends only. Yes, and they're going to do a Blues Brothers night and a classic car night. Right. So that's on Thursday this coming uh, the fifteenth. It's a uh, the fifth annual V8 TV drive-in a cruise. So if you have a hot rod, muscle car, or any kind of classic car, you can show up. Or just, even if you just like to look at them, show up. And they're going to have um, their. They sold out both screens last year, so they're going to play the Blues Brothers. The price is fifteen dollars per car. Dang. To get in, 
So they have been showing Lion King and Toy Story 4 for a couple weeks. Yes. Yeah, that's $11 a car. Uh, I was talking to the guy because a high school group of mine were getting together to go to the drive-in. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I'm so happy to see you playing yesterday. It's paired with Hobbs and Shaw. Mm-hmm. He said people are leaving in droves after Hobbs and Shaw. Really? Yeah. When And yesterday is the better movie. So... Well, but, if, if you're but, not a fan of... Right. If you're not I, a fan I, of the Beatles. I, I, I would imagine that a lot of people, those two movies don't pair well together. They don't. They don't. And especially if, you know, you, you're going to see Hobbs and Shaw. It's a different thing. But 50 years ago yesterday was the Abbey Road cover. Yes. And people are uh, flocking to Abbey Road to get their picture taken for Instagram and Facebook. I know. My nephew, Patrick Davis, and his girlfriend, Abigail, are there. And uh, they went to London. Did they get another pair of people to do it with them? I'm not sure, but she, but a- Abby's a huge Beatles fan and mm-hmm. has all these Beatles. And Her name's she, Abby. Uh huh. So Abby on Abbey Road. Yeah, and uh, she she uh, probably cried to see it because we got a picture sent to us. But nice. Yeah. So, but normally so the locals try to run people down that are blocking the street, but I'm guessing this weekend is going to be different. Oh, I'm sure it's crazy. So what else is going on locally, Carl? Anything? Uh, nothing that I can mention currently. I am so excited about succe- a su- succession Returning opening on, HBO. on Sunday night. I am there. I will be happy to watch it after John Oliver. Oh, yeah. We'll see. They'll, they'll show that, and then they'll show John Oliver, and then they'll show succession again. Yeah, no, it's it's great. Uh, HBO Sunday has just been a tradition for how many years of my life. Well, did you watch Euphoria at all? Or is it too young for you? It's too young for me. But every time I, I watch a, a part of it, I just get so cringe. Like, oh, yeah. And so yeah. I'm like, I don't think I can devote the time. <laughs> but Glow starts if you're a fan of that. Alison Brie and Betty Gilpin. Yeah, and uh, Sebastian Maniscalco is a very funny comedian, and he's got a, com- a comedy special on Netflix. Did you hear about Will Ferrell going to all the late-night shows? I watched him on Conan. I did not realize until this morning. And I even had Seth Meyers on, but I fell asleep. I did not know. He was on all three networks on both shows. Six. He was on, Okay, so he was on – let's start. He was with ABC. He was on Kimmel. Kimmel. And on CBS, he was on both – Colbert and Corden, and then on NBC he was on Fallon and Seth Meyers, and he was on Conan on TBS as Ron Burgundy. As Ron Burgundy, and he was doing prop comedy on Conan, and then he sat down for panel because Conan has is in the middle of three weeks of reruns, and I'm like, why did this record? It was Conan came back to do this. He, he recorded all of these. No, he was never live for any of them. So I don't think he did any of the things as Ron Burgundy. It's all because he's got the new uh, iHeartRadio podcast. Right, which dropped. It's the second season. Right, and just dropped. And so that's why he's doing this. And it was and he did stand-up on a lot of them, and he did a silly game with Fallon on one of them. But I think he did, did stand-up on a lot. Of, and he did Ventriloquist Dummy on another one. But I, the stand-up he did on Conan was prop comedy. He had a giant trunk. And Conan's like, oh, you're the new Carrot Top. He's like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> and so, and he, he wore the same outfit to every single one of these appearances. So, 
Good that's, for Ron it's, Yeah, what a what a Way marketing genius. I know. I was going to say that's just pretty brilliant in the in August to and do that. And he wanted them all to air the same night, which is weird. <laughs> I know. And no, I don't think there was advance. Maybe no, I, no, they all said they were going to have a special guest. And so no one knew who it was, and they all did it, and it's Will Ferrell. And so they made it happen. And so he's going to be thankful to these guys. So when his next movie comes out, he will he will go on all of them first. <laughs> that is really amazing. I always tell my students at SIUE, writing for the media, that uh, Anchorman is not as much fiction as you would be no, led to believe. Not. They'll read anything on a teleprompter. And uh, I, I went to college, the radio TV uh, era mm-hmm. of the early 70s, the happy news and the blow-dried hair and the... <laughs> And all that, and so it's very, <laughs> and, and yeah, it's it's very more real than we want to believe. All so right. what so next week we're going to talk about uh, next week we're going to talk about the Nightingale. Oh, it is a hard watch, and we're going to talk about the David Crosby uh, documentary. And uh, Mike Wallace by the is here. I've watched that. Blinded by the Light comes out next week too. I right, think. or is that in two weeks? No, it, it does. Okay, sixteenth. We're all ahead of ourselves. Okay, so. One Child Nation is Monday night. Mm-hmm. I'm, and so we have uh, Blinded by the Light. Um, the Nightingale. The Nightingale. Mike Wallace is here. David Crosby. Remember My Name. That's a lot of films. I don't know. I don't know, but there's we'll a lot. We'll be here. But yeah, I've, I've seen the Mike Wallace one. And then, um, oh, Good Boys. Oh, that's right. We're seeing that on Tuesday. Poor little Jacob Tremblay, who I feel very maternal towards, is going to be corrupted. No, he's not, he's not, <laughs> he's not allowed to see his own movie. Oh, my goodness gracious. But uh, you can still enter a contest to, I did. to get passes for it. And uh, it's like a young version of Superbad, is uh, that? Uh, well, it's produced by uh, Evan Seth Goldberg. Rogen and Evan Goldberg, yes. Yeah. Okay. So next week, Blinded by the Light, Good Boys. Where'd you go, Bernadette, which they're not screening for they us? They are not. I don't, I don't and, know why. It's based on a book. And they're promoting the heck out of it, and it's Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not, we don't get to see it. And then Sectuplets comes out next week, too. Oh, yeah, on Netflix. Ugh. Yeah. What do you think about the Home Alone reboot by Disney, Carl? I like what uh, Macaulay Culkin had to <laughs> say about it on uh, Instagram. Yes, that was a pretty good picture of him <laughs> sitting on his couch. <laughs> All right, we want to thank we want to thank Ron Stevens for coming in yes. on STL. Thank you, Ron. My name is Carl Middleman. You can find me on the socials at underscore Carl the Intern. You can hear me on well next week. I'm going to be on KMOX and I'm on FM News Talk ninety seven one, the intercom station of families. And you can hear me every Saturday night with Max Foise on Max on Movies on KTRS. And you are Lynn Venhouse, right? And I can be heard on KTRS every Thursday night with Jay Kanzler and Ray Hartman, usually in the ten o'clock hour. And I am in the timesnewspapers.com, Webster Kirkwood Times, South County Times, and West End Word. And I do um, other things. All sorts of things, right? For the (laughs) Belleville News Democrat Entertainment Features. And uh, I was just at the Memphis 
film prize last week, which I just want to give a plug in. Uh, we got the royal treatment. I was one of the uh, jurors, thanks to the uh, uh, National Alliance of Women Film Journalists and my colleagues, uh, Sarah Knight Adamson and Brandy Bam McDonald of Oklahoma, the Oklahoman Daily. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful women. We uh, had a great time. We got to go to Sun Studios and the Civil Rights Museum and got to eat great barbecue. But we also got to see 10 shorts that were really inspiring and passionate filmmakers. We got to schmooze with the filmmakers, which isn't usual at mm-hmm. a film fest. And one person of those, t- they were the 10 finalists, one person, $10,000 for the prize. So it was it was a good batch. And uh, I, I was impressed so much that I went back and saw them again because I couldn't quite make up my mind from a ballot. Oh, good. Yeah. So I just want to give a shout out to the Memphis Film Prize. It's in their fourth year. You have to shoot the movie in, in Memphis, Memphis or Shelby County, but you don't have to be from Memphis. Oh, well. Yeah. Maybe you so so just interested. check it out. And some of the people entered the St. Louis Film Festival, so I hope to see if they're going to be here. Nice. Yeah. Well, okay. we'll talk to you next week. So, yeah, uh, see you next week. Have a good weekend. Thank you. Thank you.